If you are listening to this podcast, it means you're searching, searching for someone who understands you, someone who gets you. You are yearning to be understood and to belong. Welcome to the Someone Gets Me podcast, where we help smart, talented, and sensitive people navigate an often insensitive world. I am Diane Allen, your host. My roles as ambassador, author, speaker, and intuitive mentor for bright and talented people are woven into each episode. I have the experience and knowledge to educate and inspire as I have been there and I understand your unique intensities, sensitivities, and challenges. Welcome. Our society is angry and what to do about it. Hi, friends. It's Diane here at Someone Gets Me. And today I want to talk about some feelings that go with anger and how our society gets so angry and some things we can do about it, not only as gifted, intense, and sensitive people, but I think for all people. And I think it applies to young and old alike. It's been on my mind a lot, and I think about this often, and so I want to start the conversation about anger in our society and how it gets acted out and acted in, like severe depression, suicide, that's a form of anger. Lashing out is a form of anger. Isolation is a form of anger. Gossip is a form of anger. And so there's so many things that make up this complex challenge in our society. And I hear all the time, you know, we need better mental health care. We need this. We need that. And I agree with all of it. And we need some people to really be talking about the inner workings of things. And I even hear do the work, to which I would ask the question, what work do you mean? There are all kinds of ways to address the anger in our society. And I believe it starts with us. So. I want to talk about the five big ways our society has gotten this angry and hostile and see what we can do about it from there. The first one um, that I want to talk about is delayed grief. And um, I talk about this on and off in lots of different podcasts because anger is a normal part of the grieving process. And we're taught to delay our grief. Big boys don't cry. There's an example right there. Or if you're going to cry, you know, go to your room. I'll give you something to cry about. Um, grief is a conflicting mass of human emotion following any significant change of behavior. That's what grief is. We all experience it on different levels for different reasons and different things. And so living in a society that tries to tell us not to feel grief or to feel it in a certain way, or we have to go off by ourselves, which is the opposite of what works, creates all kinds of issues. Grieving itself takes a full cycle of seasons. And to be able to go through all of it, and even then, it, it changes us forever in lots of ways. So grief is a conflicting mass of human emotion following any significant change of behavior. New job, new house, family members coming and going, different friends, different life experiences. And if we don't honor our feelings along the way, and we don't integrate things properly, and most of us were never taught how to unless we're on a personal development type path, it becomes delayed grieving process. So it's kind of like if your high school boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever you know cheated on you, and now you're in your 40s and you wonder why everybody cheats on you, it's because you're repeating it. It's repeating in your life until you get it, right? 
And if I haven't healed the cheating from high school, I'm going to hold it against my current person, whether they're doing it or not. And so there's all kinds of nuance and there's all kinds of factors in grief and the way we act it out toward ourselves and toward others. So that's, that's a whole episode, but I want you to think about underlying delayed grief as part of the fuel for this anger in our society. Then we see the second thing is escalating violence. And I believe the escalating violence is because we're disconnected from each other. Social media has made it real easy to insult and assault people, and they're not humans. It's a faceless thing. The disconnection through screens is is damaging on so many levels. And when we're connected to people, actually like have friends and family connected, anything that could happen to us heals 85% faster. And 85% of all the families who have one meal together and spend together time, at least for a little bit every day, end up healthier with less medical problems. Because connection, my friends, is the correction. And so being as disconnected and fueling the disconnection by screens and being addicted to that endorphin rush of checking things and scrolling through things and being disconnected is furthering the anger in our society. The third thing I want to talk about is always being in a hurry. Rush, 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 rush. Um, the strivers, you know, like you have to do it better. You have to do it more. Yeah, you know, I'm one of my really good friends, made really great, great grades in her graduate studies program. And her family looked at me one day and said, yes, but we want it to be more. I'm like, what do you mean? They're already successful. And it's always more. We're always in this society of like we're machines and supposed to always be striving. And that's a form of toxic success. And toxic success coming from hurry, 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 win, 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 got to have more toys, got to have be more, have the right title after my name, all of that that we are taught to do enslaves us spiritually and emotionally and mentally to a system and a paradigm that does not care about us, the person. It cares about its own welfare. So you hear about the people who work and then they finally retire and they devote their whole life and they end up having a major health problem or even die, you know, weeks after retiring because the pressure, the stress does damage to the body. And we are taught that we should be human doings, not human beings. That's a lie. So we have to learn as individuals and as a society to face the lies that we've been taught and told and perpetuated and get honest with ourselves. The um, fourth thing is shame. Now, shame means I am no good. Sinful worm of the dust, right? That's different than guilt. Guilt means I broke my own rules. So a lot of people say guilt and shame, like it's one thing. They're very different. And there's so much shame in our world. And shame makes it difficult to deal with conflict. People tend to be avoidant and then they lash out. And they lack emotional confidence, people who have a lot of shame. I had a lot of shame early in my life. And, and I, everybody looked at me like, you're so smart, but why are you so shy? And I'm like, well, because I was trained from very young that girls were second class, especially blonde girls. And I was short, so therefore that wasn't good enough. And the messages continued in our society that's all about extroversion and a family system that supported me not being good enough. So what happened? striving, striving to be better than, faster than, more than. 
and it almost killed me more than once. And it's almost killed many people I know more than once. And I also know some people that have had heart attack or brain hemorrhages and things like that and have died because they have pushed themselves so hard that their bodies gave out. I also know somebody whose um, husband did, pushed himself so hard in his career for his promotions and things that he actually had a psychotic break because he had like almost no nutrition left in his body and no vitamin B means the brain gets wonky. And he almost ended up in a psychiatric hospital for a long time because he was so out of balance and so bought into the trance of striving and going after whatever it is. So this shame has been in our society for generations. And so, you know, we didn't make it up. It's been there and it gets passed along. So if you were raised by the big people around you when you were little, and if they had shame, whether they talked about it or not, or named it or not, it still got energetically and DNA passed on to you and behaviorally as well. Learned helplessness is part of shame. Um, and same thing with what I call runaway technology, where people just run from themselves. I used to ask clients that a lot when I ran substance abuse treatment center, you know, like that substance you're using, how is it helping you run from yourself? And what can we do to stop the running and tell the truth and begin to love on ourselves? So shame is that belief that and that understanding that I am no good. There's something inherently wrong with me and there's nothing inherently wrong with you. Okay. This is a big deal. It takes sometimes decades to heal, both verbally and non-verbally. There's lots of things to address. And the fifth part here I want to talk about is intergenerational transmission of pain or intergenerational trauma. And not all pain is trauma, right? We can have pain. And then we have trauma, which is how we integrate or how we process any pain we've had. So if we are not given permission to grieve, we're not taught how to deal with pain in a healthy way, and it gets integrated in us as a trauma, then there's generations of that. Many people who immigrated to the United States or immigrated in any area in any way, um, there's trauma usually in that because there's pain and there's grief and there's hardship along the way. And it comes down intergenerationally. You can look at the poverty mentality of people who lived through the depression because it was a poverty and how that traumatized their system and how they treat money and relationships and, and things differently than somebody who didn't have that experience. And so the generations of pain and the intergenerational transmission of it is very important. It's very prevalent where you will see like the grandparents being very strict and then the parents then being very liberal. And then that child of the parents, right? So the grandchild um, being confused about what is it, strict or liberal, or how does it work? Because the parents said, well, we're not going to be as strict as our parents. We're going to give our kid everything. Well, great. But if there's no boundaries on it and you're only responding to that other strictness, it's equally detrimental because now we're still focusing on that strictness. And then that young person grows up with a lot of inner conflict and wondering, what is going on, like having a hard time managing the world, if you will. So it, the intergenerational pain has lots of nuance, lots of issues. I work with this with clients a lot. You'll see it, people who want to be successful in something 
and they'll start getting really angry or really frustrated or really irritated. I don't want to be like my parents or like what the society says and that pushing back. But pushing sometimes keeps the problem going. Like if I come, came up to you right now and pushed you on you, you would push back at me. So sometimes what seems like the right ego way to handle pushing is the opposite way to do the healing. So how do we take care of these things? These five levels of anger are within each person, but they're also in our society at large in lots of different ways. So how do we handle it? Well, first thing we do is we tell the truth. We realize that if it took generations to uh, manifest in a way that we say, oh, we need to do something about it, we don't fix it over the weekend or overnight. I used to think that in my 20s, like, oh, okay, I'll heal the trauma from my father and I'll get it done you know, in the next week or two, or I'll do some therapy and it'll be over. Well, that's not the case. It helps. You can do therapy for a while and it will work. And then you can do another kind of thing for a while and it will work. And there's layers upon layers upon layers. And for some of us who have generations of it, it's in the DNA. So there's a lot of really deep, soulful work to do. So I like to tell people it's both. You want to do um, talk therapy and working through verbal things, but you also, as a gifted person, want to do nonverbal things. So if pain gets in you nonverbally, then it needs to be healed nonverbally. If it gets in verbally, it needs to be healed verbally. So there's two different kinds. There's different ways they interact. There's lots of factors here, but the point is to tell the truth, like, wow, this is really struggle, or I have this situation going on, or how come I keep repeating the same pattern through my whole life, even though I say I want to change it? Or like a lot of parents I work with, I want to break the family the family pain cycle, the family trauma cycle, and they don't really know what that means. They just think if they do anything different than their parents, they're good. That's only a piece of it. The bigger piece of it is the energy behind it, the feeling behind it, the unresolved angst and the existential crises behind it all. There's that to address too. So the way we heal it is self-compassion and self-love. We first must address what's going on within us. All the entrepreneurs I work with, I always tell them, your business cannot outgrow your personal development. It won't land. It won't last. And, and when I was a therapist, we used, I used to talk to other therapy people I know, and we used to say, you know, you can only bring a client to the level of health you are in. So if you're a therapist or a social worker or a counselor and you're out there helping people and you're not doing your own work, your clients will soon catch up to your level and then need to find a way to surpass it. I saw it happen a lot in, in treatment centers where some of the um, counselors that I worked with weren't doing a whole lot of their own work and the clients would pass them. So if you're a helper or you're somebody who is engaging with the world, it's important that you're paying attention to what are you doing for your own development, your own work. All of us, not just one person. If you're in a, in a physical form, there's more work to do for all of us. That's the case. The energy we want to put into that work is compassion. And love. Now, love, it, it, the definition of love is the ability and willingness to allow someone to do what's right for them without any insistence they satisfy me. So, love is that unconditional energy that we are. We're not, we learn how to release the giving, receiving love and just be the love. So, the self compassion and self love and learning how to look within ourselves first is vital here. We are taught in Western society to look outside of ourselves to have somebody else do the healing, somebody else do the work. Now, it's important we have people on our path going along with us and supporting us and helping us and showing us the way. 
but they can't do the work for us. Like I always tell everybody, I, will, I can only do what you will allow me to do. If you give me 5%, I can only give you 5%. If you are really fully honest and you really go deep, then I can go deep with you. So it's all of these different kinds of situations that matter. So to heal the angry society is not as simple as more therapists or clergy in the schools. It's people being willing to look at their own pain and learn how to heal it on deep levels. And a lot of it's nonverbal. So there's lots of modalities. There's lots of, of different kinds of things. I added it up once. I'm doing about 50 different things. Um, over the course of my lifetime to help heal my DNA from different kinds of deep music therapy to breath work, to talk therapy, to spiritual mentoring, to my own meditation and journaling practice, to attuning to nature, to um, different kinds of herbs, all different kinds of things, essential oils. I, it goes on and on because generational trauma, old shame, delayed grief, all of these things, living in a society that has trained us for generations that we are only as good as the amount of work we are doing, is all unenlightened. It's call, I call it sleepwalking. It's unenlightened. So if we're going to come out of that sleepful, wakeful, tra- you know, that sleepwalking trance, if we're going to come out of it and we're going to allow our society to move forward in a productive way for the generations to come, it's going to take a lot of guts, a lot of faith, a lot of self-love, being the love, being the compassion for yourself and for others, and realizing that the wounds run really deep. So when you see somebody yelling or screaming or yell or blaming, especially, they're telling on themselves. What they're saying is about themselves. And we see it everywhere. We see poor judgment, lack of critical thinking. All of those things are signs of a system that is totally full of gossip and pain and grief and worry. It creates cancers, our um, cardiovascular events, inflammation in the body, poor relationships, abuse. It creates everything. So the first rule of thumb here, folks, which nobody really wants me to say, is got to look at yourself. One finger pointing away, three are pointing back at you. That doesn't mean we beat ourselves up. That doesn't mean we, we act like a martyr. It means we start to say, all right, if I want to create a better life for myself and then anybody else can benefit, then what am I going to do? And the first step is tell the truth to yourself. Second step is find someone, another human being who can be aligned with you and serve you and be there with you. Because Remember, shame breeds isolation. So trying to do it on your own doesn't work. So if you're an only child or an oldest child, you're listening to me going, well, I can do it on my own. I'll just learn all the stuff and do it on my own. That's a form of shame. It does not work. Humans are meant to heal in relation with other humans. So find some safe people. Check it out. Be discerning. Learn how to do it. You're going to mess it up a lot. And you're going to be great at it a lot. It's totally okay either way. So friends, I am, the anger in the society really, really has my heart hurting. And I know I've had times in my life where I've been really, really angry because the pain was just unbelievable, whether it was physical pain or old grief or breaking the trance of, I'm never going to be good enough because I'm short and because I'm blonde, which is not true. And it can get energetically, those things can be energetically in us and we don't even really know it. 
until we run into it. So life is an ongoing lesson. There's no finish line. There's mile markers. There's things we can celebrate. But there's no finish line. So if you're on the journey and you're a gifted person, you're here with a mighty purpose. It takes being open and being willing to do the work. So there's lots of us out here who are doing the work and willing to help show the way. Like many of my clients have said, well, you're like the flashlight, Diane. You're the one in the darkness that has the light and you're showing us the way. And I'm, I think that metaphor makes sense. Like I'm holding their hands and we're going up the mountain. That's how it works. We're all in it together. So anybody that you ask to help you is only in a different place than you are on the same journey. And it's all okay. So please look around your life right now. If you don't have at least five people that you really can trust and you're not, and for any reason you're not being honest with yourself, maybe go get a journal and start saying, what's the truth about what's really going on in here? And start to begin to shed the light of truth on those inner walls so that you can be free. Because only light eradicates that darkness. So if someone gets me, we want to inspire you to be your best self, to grow, to open up, to allow your beauty and your light to emerge into the world. That's my, my responsibility. That's my calling. And that's what I do every day. So if you have questions or you want to know about how to handle it or what to do, or you would like to hear more about it, you can do a free 30-minute call with me. Just go on my website. All the links are in the show notes and sign up for one. And I'm happy to spend some time with you and help answer questions. You can also just keep looking at different resources. There's all kinds of resources out there. And find what vibrates with you. Find what aligns with you. And know that as long as you're open, as long as you're honest, and as long as you're willing, great things will come your way. Just pay attention. So remember, until the next episode of Someone Gets Me, to put your face to the sun so the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star. You're here on purpose with a mighty purpose. Until the next episode, be well. Are you tired of searching for someone to understand you? Join our Facebook group, Someone Gets Me. In this group, you will be able to connect with others who are intense, sensitive, smart, and talented. I share my insights and teachings, and you can connect with others in a real, authentic, safe forum. So join us today. Someone gets me.